Why with Arcia Tecun. Kyoto World, you're about to hear a little bit of our fauna hui with our tamariki or our family meeting with our kids, edited because some of it is not, the world isn't ready for all of it, but you'll get a little taste of some of the reflections that they've had around culture shock. And then my partner and I will reflect a little bit more on it after that. Welcome to our Fano Hui. Welcome to my world. Childhood world. Childhood world. <laughs> so today we just have a couple of reflections we want to have. What just happened in our family? Did we do something that was big? Yes. We moved. We moved from New Zealand, which had the best soda in the world, LMP. Oh my goodness, I miss LMP already. And yeah. now we live... A dump. <laughs> we live in Salt Lake City. Do you guys remember the indigenous name for this place? Yes. Songane. Can you say Songane? Songane. That and it means many houses in the Newa or Shoshone language. And, and we guess came from New Zealand. Aotearoa. That's thank you. That's right. So this is just a chance to do a reflection on something that you are thinking about. Because maybe you've gone through what's called... You ever heard of culture shock? Has yeah. anybody ever heard of that? Yeah. Do you know, what do you think that means, Es? It's like literally like having to deal with all the maybe stuff from a completely different and weird people and place. So confronting something different and then having to deal with it. So maybe, do you think we've been going through a little bit of culture shock? Yeah. Yes. Because we came from one culture. And there's always more than one culture going on, right? Because... We have our cultures as a fauna. We're living in Tamaki Makoto. We had the local iwis and Maori culture. We have Pacifica culture. You have all the different people that live there. And that's all part of the culture that we were coming from. And now we live here. And so there's all kinds of different cultures here. So now we're maybe confronting culture shock. So say your name and then what you think. Who wants to go first? I'm Manaya, called Manaya Toku Ingua. I miss Atta. Who's Atta? Atta is my uncle. A good uncle. He was in previous episodes for those who have, haven't listened to them. And I really, really miss my friends, which is Honey and I mean, and Vyadia. I miss everything from. New Zealand, I miss LNP, which everybody knows. Are there things that you have learned about here that you like or that you don't understand or that are different? 
Well, I have been learning about Egypt. Oh, at school? C. Oh, you said C. What language is that? Spanish. So you're used to hearing more Te Reo Maori, but now here, have you been hearing more Spanish? Yes. Espanol? Where? Who, who speaks Spanish here? Mexicans. Dad. Me. <laughs> Me. Mexicans. <laughs> Who else? Some more moms. Some Okay. You're, you're coro and cuya, huh? Your abuelitos. Some kids at school only speak Spanish. So that's a new language that you're encountering now, huh? Before, who you probably only heard it with me and your grandparents, huh? And now you're hearing it in other places. Is there something that you've noticed in your culture shock? Americans are so weird. Why? How? Like... What's different? They don't really care about their culture, whereas over there, like, people are very into it. And over here, they're... And the language is different, too, and the accent. Like, over here, like, there's one girl in our class, and she thinks that anyone else that's not from America is a fob, but I'm like, wow. What does fob mean? And fresh off the boat, but I, I, would, I would be happy to be a fob when it comes to America, because uh, I just like this place. I mean, the country. Why? I mean, there's literally a flag in every classroom. It's like... So, so flags are different. So you see, were you used to seeing, but they have New Zealand flags in New Zealand. Yeah, but like there was one flag throughout my entire high school in New Zealand, and it was in the front. Okay, not like in every classroom. Yeah, right? over here it's in literally every there's classroom and every hall. Flag in my classroom. In every classroom, there's a flag here. Oh. Yeah, that's true. Lots of flags, huh? Yeah, my one is American flag, which has lots of starts. I have no idea why. Do you think that may be one of the reasons why some of the different groups maybe aren't as proud of their culture if they're being confronted with, let's call it hyper-nationalism? Yeah. Like a super-nationalist identity? Maybe yeah. that makes people feel uncomfortable to be themselves unless they're being... Over here is just the assimilation to this complete, like... So what's assimilation mean? Just it's for like, your sisters. Oh, okay. It's like being like completely like put into what's similar and what's um, normal like having a notion of normal whereas when coming from a different country there's a reason why everyone else ev Americans here they get really annoyed whenever people say that America sucks but literally I don't know a single other country other than some like heavily US influenced countries every other country that hasn't been affected in America the same way that like some have that likes America, but otherwise, most places dislike America. I have issues, huh? So different perspective coming from outside of the U.S. And, and it makes sense once you come in because it's just what they find normal here is just like so outlandish and like. Yeah, it is your turn now. Coachella talking with. Is there something you've noticed different here about school or food or? Driving even, or... Yeah, they do on the wrong side of the road. I like the Costco hot dogs. Okay, that's fair enough. Yeah. And I like that they're only $1.50 still. With yeah. a drink. That's nice. Costco is nice. Even with inflation here, they don't understand, like, New Zealand prices. Yeah, that's true. There are some people that I do like because they don't whine about everything, but they whine if the teacher tells them off. They whine, like... So maybe a different set of respect for teachers? Yeah. Or elders? Yeah, definitely. What about you, Shella? Have you noticed that, too? 
I wasn't listening, sorry. Okay, what have you noticed then that's different for you? All the Americans are annoying. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. You, are, you are all Americans too. <laughs> you except for Manaya. Okay. Except me. Except for Manaya because she was born in New Zealand. So, that's an interesting thing, right? Because all of us have U.S. passports. We're all American nationals, but we're all also New Zealand nationals. Now, Manaya's Fenua was left in Aotearoa because she was born there. All of you were born here. But culturally, you've lived majority of your life in Aotearoa. So, you were saying that some of it's different, it may be annoying, but you, I'm trying to get you to think about what is it that is annoying? What's different? Does it, is it because it feels different or strange to what you're used to? Or what about food? Is there food that you like the food here? Pollo local. Oh, pollo local's nice, huh? Oh, yeah, that is pretty good. Is there anything else that's different? Um. What about the weather? I like the snow. Oh, you of like the snow? Of course, you like the snow. Because we just got here in winter? I like that our house and puppies and Lolito's house are in the same backyard. So that's nice that we get to live closer to Fano, huh? Can I give a tip? Yeah, give a tip. Don't talk to any strangers that are sus. Thank you, Shella. That's a very good advice. Hi, I'm Jane. I miss fish and chips. Yes. I don't like the chips here. That's true. We, we, have, to say, we have to say hot chips, too, so people know what we're hot talking chips. about. Fries. Yeah, here they call fries. them fries. We call them hot chips or chips. For sure. What do you what 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 do you think about school, Otain? Do you agree that it's hyper nationalist? Definitely. But at the same time, when you became a New Zealander, what did you have to do? I had to pledge to the Queen. So, that's not New Zealand. That's England. That's not New Zealand. That's but England. but New Zealand is England. part of the Commonwealth, right? It's still subject to the Crown. Oh wait. England is New is, Zealand. Yes. The queen's dead now, so... Now it's the king. Yeah, so technically our pledges didn't really, didn't really mean anything. Cause they well, died with the queen. Yeah, they died with the queen. <laughs> oh, man. We're definitely getting watched after this episode. <laughs> I don't like how the days are longer. Although some things I do like about time with school is how Friday's um, like a half day and that there's more holidays and you get to have more days off. Fair enough. That's a good observation. I know for you all, you're having this culture shock, but that's what I grew up in, right? I had to fight really hard and learn later on in life how to value my own cultural identity and to be, and to be strong in that because I was regularly being encouraged to assimilate or not being valued for what my ancestry was. So oh, okay. also, also um, uh, um, if you come from a country like New Zealand, where you literally have um, diff uh, posters of different um, political ideologies in your class, which includes Marxism, you won't be finding that here. Yeah. Because they're like really hating communism. <laughs> oh my goodness. If we offended you, if we offended you, it's because you're American. Kia ora tamariki. So you've heard a little bit from our tamariki, uh, and now well, I'll let my beautiful, amazing partner introduce herself. 
to the world. Uh, Heather. I'm Heather. I don't know. This is weird. I know. It's strange. But where? Who are you? Where are you from? Where did you grow up? I grew up in New Zealand to English immigrants. I spent some time in the UK uh, in my teenage years and early 20s. Lived in the south of England and Scotland. Moved to the States, Salt Lake, for a mission. And came back for school. And then just been on a journey with you ever since. She says she came back for school, but the true story is... She, I didn't know you. She came to find me. <laughs> Lies. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that we encountered when we got married, just to give a little background, was... In retrospect now, we've been married for almost be 15 years in January, yay. Yeah. So not far from hitting that now. But at the time, uh, it was like two different worlds were colliding. Um, and it was exciting and scary, I think, both ways and directions. And that's part of what we're reflecting on right now as well. Because when we met, I was coming out of the racial politics of the U.S., um, you had mentioned you had never felt so white in your life, and part of that was because I was on the Malcolm X trip. I was, I, you know, I didn't want to. I understood the fetishization and fascination on marrying white, and I didn't want to do that. And then here comes Heather and captivates me and like disrupts everything that I was thinking. And part of it was because you just came from a different world. My relate, not that whiteness isn't global, but my point of reference was here mm -hmm. in not just the US but Utah and you had lived in Aotearoa were raised in Kirikiriroa had lived in the UK both England and Scotland where you have Whakapapa too and were operating just very differently than than me and then I think I was probably operating differently to you too you were in <laughs> uh, I don't think I realized the the huge cultural gaps that existed between us until it was too late really we'd already signed the marriage license we were in for the long run <laughs> so yeah i mean i i grew up in new zealand and so i grew up around interracial relationships and that was the that was normal for me i grew up where i had Pākehā friends and Māori friends and friends from all over the islands, you know, and I just was not aware of the reality, I guess, that it is being in the States. That was, that was just a very foreign concept to me of so much separation uh, between cultural identities and ethnicities and race, yeah. And not that that doesn't exist in New Zealand. Right. No, it exists, but where I grew up in Hamilton, it was smaller than uh, Auckland, where we lived with our family. So it was, again, different environment, a different time than yeah. it is even now. And we were younger too, right? So we have a different set of consciousness. Oh, yeah, definitely uh, naive and ignorant to a, a lot of political landscape. And now we've just gone through this big move 
We lived in Tamaki Makoto for eight Matariki and I've just returned to Songani here in Salt Lake Valley and left Fanonga and Fano and are returning to Fanonga and Fano and so we're kind of like in I don't know maybe that surreal in-between zone of like we're coming home in a way and we're not coming home in a way we're homesick and we're also home and I felt like when we went to Aotearoa initially that was similar as well now yeah. different for both of us because we were positioned differently and when we went moved to New Zealand you were going home but I was not yet home it became home for me it was the first time I had lived there and but you had already lived in the US and you had already lived there so you were going home in a sense I was going home but at the same time home for me was Hamilton and oh, Auckland is, is very different it's much larger and way more globally diverse yes much more diversity yeah. I mean yeah Auckland we hear all kinds of language all the time from all over East Asia Southeast Asia South Asia across the Oceania and so that was that was cool but it was different yeah so it was familiar but it still wasn't home home at at the point of landing yeah. there but then it became home for me and our Tamariki because our oldest at the time when we moved was just five. just turned five just barely turned five and then the you know everybody else was younger and then we had a we had a baby there as well and so they know Aotearoa culturally that's what they remember and know the most and it'll be interesting to see in time because right now our youngest is six almost seven and so she you know she wasn't there as long as everybody else obviously because she wasn't born yet but her whole life was Aotearoa and but now she is still quite young um, and so it'll be interesting to see what she remembers. She me. adapts well. Yeah. I think the amount of American media that they've engaged in overseas will help her adapt. Yeah. Well, and at her age, a lot of life is role play anyway. So. Yeah. But as you could hear with some of their reflections, they're still processing the grief of leaving the only home that they really know well, that they've known the most. And so we're kind of reflecting on that but we're also making our own observations now returning here and we've lived here before we lived here what seven years before yeah. we left around that yep and so we were in Aotearoa longer than we were here prior to that but we do we were older obviously we were adults and we have different memory and we've changed a lot a lot has happened over the years now we're coming back and we have lived here before but we're also coming post pandemic and there were very different, I think, experiences between the two societies. And again, we're in Salt Lake City in Utah, and there's a lot of different places in the U.S. The U.S. is big, and there's a lot of different places that probably are very different, but we're in a very unique place. So what are some of the things that you would say are maybe, maybe not culture shock, because we've lived here before. It's not like the, the, the Tamariki, but perhaps maybe that you're thinking about differently than before or maybe that you didn't think of before but was there or maybe something new I don't know what are your thoughts since we've returned I think I kind of held on to this idea in New Zealand of how cheap it was 
in America compared to New Zealand. Um, you know, we're paying over 500 a week in rent. And then when we go out to eat in New Zealand, we were paying easily $100 to feed the family. And that's not fancy restaurants. That's no, just... that's just McDonald's, you know, yeah. or Burger King. And so I think I kind of thought, okay, whatever money we go back with or whatever money we earn, we're going to be a lot more comfortable and be able to save more money. And then we get here and I'm just like, we go out to eat as the family and it feels like it's the same the same price, but then you got tips and then it's American dollars, you know? So yeah, that kind of sucks. Yeah. I never liked tipping before, but I'm so annoyed with tipping and tax. At the moment. It makes me so mad. You know, I'm just like, if a company can make profit, they should pay their employees. That should not be the consumer's responsibility. Yeah. And then they, they don't, and then in New Zealand, right? If it says a price, that's the price. It already includes GST. Right. We're here. It doesn't. And it's that's just they, trickery is yeah, what it is. They, make, they, they try to give the illusion of, oh, you're paying less, and then you have to calculate for tax. And then if you're eating out, then you've got to calculate tax and tip. And Yeah, and who does that impact the most? Poor people that are living like dollar to dollar that have to try and calculate in their heads constantly how much they're actually spending. Because if you don't have it, you don't have it. And you get to the till, you end up having to put stuff back. No, I don't like that. Are there any other things you've observed? Every, you know what? It's nice to be here because we have a much larger house for a cheaper mortgage than we paid in rent. There's no mold. I'm not having to like wipe the condensation from the inside of the windows all winter long. You know, there's, there's definitely uh, more luxury here. But at the same time, it just feels a bit cold and sterile, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, socially, it's... There's something a little bit plastic about here. You know, like, people might be really friendly to your face, but it just doesn't feel as genuine. And maybe that's just a different way of approaching the world and approaching life, you know, culturally, but... Uh, and part of that could be unique to Utah as well. Like Utah is known for its niceness, superficial culture, right? Where if yeah. we were go back east, I'm sure you're going to get a very different... Um, maybe. I haven't been back east, yeah, so maybe. But, well, yeah, different parts of the U.S. are going to have different regional cultures too. But Utah kind of has that uh, niceness yeah, stereotype. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm, I just don't care for the niceness. I much prefer real... the other thing that for me really struck me New Zealand has its share of inequality it has its share of racism so I'm not saying that New Zealand's perfect uh, but it is different um, and it is you know smaller country so really be more appropriate to compare it to you know a state rather than the whole country in a sense mm -hmm. but the inequality here 
it was here before, but I feel like we're coming in post-pandemic, and it just, it seems just so much more intensified and exacerbated, particularly here in the city, where I imagine, you know, the quote-unquote white, comfortable suburbs outside of the city that stay far away are perhaps isolated from in ways that in the city we're facing it maybe more directly but maybe that's the case in New Zealand too it just looks different you know in New Zealand the homelessness situation is multiple families in one house or people sleeping in their cars in somebody's driveway you know it's still homelessness but it's different. Here, homelessness is, no, people are actually out on the street. And in large with none numbers, of, yeah. in large numbers with, a, yeah, maybe less support or different support. I don't know. Because I mean, there's people struggling in New Zealand too. And there's definitely areas where that congregates more than others, even in New Zealand. But it feels and looks different, I think. Yeah. And I think one of the other things, too, in observing it, we've had some conversations with several different people that we know uh, or have met or come to know, just to keep things broad and vague. <laughs> but one of the things that I think what was shocking to us, too, was just the general kind of lack of empathy that we've been encountering for people who are struggling. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, there's, there's definitely sentiment in New Zealand for people on benefits, you know, people that are very opinionated and anti-getting handouts and however they want to describe it. But it typically comes from a certain kind of privilege where those opinions come from. But here, yeah, it just feels very cold. Like, there's a distance between people and how they view others that have less than them. Yeah, people seem to separate themselves and therefore not engage in supporting or looking after each other or bettering those that have come on hard times for whatever reason. Yeah. I was thinking, I wonder if there's also, and again, it's not to, you know, romanticize New Zealand. I think we're, we are a little bit homesick for it. And in some ways, we're, even though there's things we're happy about here as well. But when the pandemic hit, even though it could have been even more <laughs> than what it was, when you compare what New Zealand was doing to the rest of the world, very, very different. And I think about when it came to, you know, the different levels that we had to physically distance or isolate. And then even when it came out to the vaccine rollout, there was like this kind of collective social mantra of like, let's look out for each other, right? Yeah. Everyone is like, let's get vaccinated to help out our vulnerable. Now, of course, you had these little pockets of people who had been getting onto the anti-vax stuff primarily coming out of the U.S. and how loud the U.S. can be about those things. But it's very different, right? We left New Zealand with 95% fully vaccinated. And then we get here, it's maybe about 60%. And, and just a very different approach to it where how 
and even watching it from afar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very different, right? Very individualistic, very egocentric. Whereas when where we were coming from, it was kind of like, generally speaking, not that there wasn't yeah. issues, but generally, it was like, hey, let's look out for one another. Let's look out for the society. Yeah, yeah. even now as we lift, there's still a good portion of the population that chooses to wear masks when they go out in public in New Zealand. Whereas here, I haven't... Maybe the odd person here or there is wearing a mask. Yeah. But that's it. It's just, you know, life has gone back to normal even though it's not. Yeah. What about immigration stuff? I was just thinking, you know, all the kids became New Zealanders and they became uh, nationals. Yeah. New Zealand nationals, so they're multiple, they have multiple citizenships. I became a New Zealander as well. Did we advertise that? Huh? Do we advertise that? What, that we're multinational? Yeah. We just are. We're not the only people. I think this is the thing, right? The fact that you even asked that is because of this new environment we're in, but a lot of people in the world are. And I think that reflects a lot more of the world that's mobile and belonging to many places, whether they have... I mean, again, citizenship is a privilege too, especially the way particular you know, uh, nations operate in regards to that. So we're amongst that realm for, for sure. But the reason I bring it up is I was just thinking how the kids were talking about how hy- hyper-nationalist their school experience has been. Mm. And then thinking about when we became, well, when I became a New Zealander, you know, which was more recent than the kids, but like they, we sang a Samoan song at our, at my citizenship ceremony. And half of the people there were Samoan, and we all sang it together, those who knew it. And it was such a different feel. It was like you're, you're adding something by becoming a New Zealander. You weren't right. giving up who you were. And it was so interesting that as a nation, that was how it was presented and framed, right? Where, yeah, there are New Zealand flags about, but not in every classroom or... It, large ones everywhere like there's not that same hyper nationalist no the most New Zealand flags I've ever seen I think is at the rugby game yeah you know like then everybody's proud and they're flying it around otherwise it's you see one here or there but that's it yeah and you're definitely not wearing it like Americans wear their flag yeah you know American flag hats American flag sweaters American flag track, track pants and track suits and all kinds of things and it's it's very strange coming from another country, walking into that. Yeah. I think, yeah, and I, I came from that environment. And so just seeing it and feeling it more now, be, having lived outside as long, that's the longest, I've been in other places and I've lived in other places, but this is the longest I've lived outside. Mm-hmm. And, and for sure, and I remember even the, the kura that the kids were at before in where we were living in, in Tamaki Makoto. They would even fly like the United Tribes flag. Right. So it would rotate. It wasn't always the New Zealand flag. Sometimes United Tribes flag. And I, you know, or Tino Rangatira Tanga flag. And so you have these different... It was just very interesting to see that that was what was going on there. And then here, there's massive like US flags everywhere. And it's it's very kind of confronting for me at the moment in ways that it wasn't before because I came out of the environment. Well, I think there's a difference, too, of being proud of where you're from, 
you know, the country that you live in, that you're raised in, and what Americans do feels way beyond being proud. It feels very, like, forceful, very confronting. It's, it's just a very abrupt approach to this pride, this national pride, which seems to go, it's like, I don't know, being proud of your country on steroids. It's, yeah. it's just so ramped up compared to any other country that I've come across. I mean, Tonga has its, its moments, you know, but it's a very much different feel, though, very still. Feel like, you get the yeah. Tongans with their flags, and they're, they're closing down the streets because they're partying, because they're happy, and they're celebrating. And, you know, maybe even on a normal day, you'll still see a car flying their flags, and they're honking their horns. But it's a very different approach than what Americans do with their nationalism and their, their flag-waving and their American pride. So as you were saying, that that's what I was thinking. Is I feel like maybe there's an insecurity there. And maybe it's almost like trying to convince yourself of this message you are sharing so forcefully. Which is different. Like when we go and we're supporting Matamatonga at a rugby game in, in New Zealand, it's like Tonga hard, everybody, right? But it's, right. it's like everyone's dancing and enjoying. And, and, and at the same time, so just to give some point of reference for listeners... We went and we watched recently um, Tonga versus New Zealand match. Mm -hmm. And so, again, I'm thinking about how that would be equivalent of going to like a, a soccer game World Cup here and it's U.S. versus Mexico and all of the stadium is, is rooting for Mexico, right? Right. But in New Zealand, like it was, all the Tongans were singing the national anthem for both countries. And they were singing everything and supporting everything. And so it was very... It was just very different. There was no, you know, in a lot of sport, you'll get people hurling abuse if their team's not playing well. Um, you, you've just got this, a lot of, like, hyper-masculinity in sport arenas in a lot of countries and a lot of sports. But in New Zealand, this game in particular, you have those rooting for Tonga that are, you know, like, just excited when New Zealand scores a try. You've got them... Pardon the interruption, but you were just saying, right, like the, you finished that thought? No. Okay. Yeah, so it's just very different feels as to how people approach that identity. Are you okay, Shella? Okay. And, and I think that's, I, maybe that's a big thing too, is that in Aotearoa, like there are issues, there is still a lot of oppression in terms of colonialism, and that's locally and regionally, but there is also... Uh, a strong visibility in comparison to here, right? Of local and like you can't do much without conf you know having to face the fact that you that Te Reo Māori is also a language in Aotearoa. It's an official language. It's the original language of that place. Of knowing who the local iwi um, or hapu are, right? Whereas here, like I'm not seeing that anywhere either, and I'm wondering if that's linked to that uh, that nationalism too. The way it's expressed here, it's almost so loud to to avoid facing that discomfort of, especially here in Utah, there's eight federally recognized nations inside of or overlapping this state. Mm -hmm. But that's not very visible or commonly known, and they come from, you know, five major indigenous cultural groups. Newe, Nuwavi, Kusipiuti, Nuch, Dene, 
and most people don't have any kind of point of reference for that. And I wonder if that's also linked to the way that people approach that here. And that is, I guess, something that I'm dealing with as well. Is coming from Aotearoa where, yeah, it's not perfect. There's still a lot of issues. But, like, there's protocol. Like, you have to, you have to mihi, you know? Uh, and, and mihi to the mana whenua and to the different, you know, peoples that are there. Whereas here, that's not even on the radar. Like, I'm doing it and people are looking at me weird. Like, right. what like I've, you know, I've recently done an intro of a mihi and people were commenting, and like, oh, you haven't been here in a while. And I'm like, and I think that's going to be the interesting thing as we move forward, right, is thinking about the conversations we've been having and how that we don't want to, you know, we want to keep having those types of conversations. But we're dealing with a society that's in a very different consciousness. Well, and there's still, look, in this society, there's still ritual and ceremony that is normalized, especially in a predominantly Mormon state. In any cultural environment, uh, religious environment, anything like that, there is ceremony and there is ritual. But when it's something that's from outside of the norm, people are maybe a bit surprised, a bit uncomfortable, a bit shocked that you would do that. But I mean, here there's plenty of things that Mormons do typically, praying all the time, morning, night, meals for comfort, you know, whatever. There's, there's things that happen that is normalized and what you were doing is normalized somewhere else but it's not here and there are communities here, the Pacific community, the Tongan community they should be more comfortable with those protocols and those but it's been lost somewhere along the way if they're not comfortable with that, if that's not normal for them yeah. or if those communities are still segregated and isolated in ways that to go back to an early point so we can wrap it up you mentioned being an interracial couple, right? And I think that's something that we always notice when we travel, mm. the different places that we go and whether that is something that exists in that society or not. And we get way more looks here, even in a diverse part of town, because there is this strong, segregated Yeah, even logic. within diversity, it's still separate. It's still, you know... There's diversity, but it's still segregated diversity. As well. And, I, and again, I'm coming from here, but in returning, it's kind of a lot more jarring than it was having been where we were and now kind of having to confront and deal with that. Anyways, I guess to wrap it up, because we got our uh, Tamariki have returned and uh, we'll have to attend to them. But while they're having culture shock, maybe you and me are providing culture shock for people. <laughs> Probably. In our return here too. I, I did the first time I came. I was a bit raw for some people. Yeah. You just weren't operating in the same plane of things. And so I think, yeah, I mean, yeah, politically as well. Like, that's another podcast episode another time. But we were coming from a very different spectrum of politics. It just doesn't even exist here. Yeah. And then vice versa, there's stuff here that just doesn't exist in other places. And that's part of the culture shock too. Yeah. Coming from somewhere that's somewhat more liberal leaning, left leaning, to somewhere that is so proto fascist. Strongly oh, sorry. Sorry. strongly <laughs> conservative. <laughs> Even in their liberalism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
just takes time. You know, it took six months to adjust in New Zealand, and it'll take time to adjust back. Thank you very much, Mum. <laughs> Thank you, my love, and goodbye to the world for now. Uh, this was just a reflection episode and a little glimpse into our current uh, dramas and transitions and processing at the moment, which won't be like this forever because in time it, it'll change one way or another. It's just a chance to kind of share some of that as you know we, we have been very privileged and and being able to to move across you know um, oceans and and live in different places and part of that was between each other right like I gave you a green card and you got me a New Zealand passport and so that gave us reciprocal <laughs> that gave us these options of living in different places in a unique way that for me definitely wouldn't have happened otherwise um, and it definitely has opened up my experiences in ways I couldn't have imagined and and now coming back to a place that I call home that I grew up in and, and bringing our kids into that and continuing the journey and see how we go. Kia ora. Kia ora. Kia ora. Kia ora. Kia ora. Kia ora.